Welcome to the world of Aeora, a news and lore podcast about the Pillars of Eternity games, as well as Obsidian Entertainment's upcoming release, Avowed. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the world of Aeora. I'm your host, Eric, aka Gingerino42. Thank you guys so much for joining me on another episode where we dive into the history, lore, and game mechanics of Pillars of Eternity as we gear up for the release of Avowed being developed over at Obsidian. For those not in the know, Pillars of Eternity 1 and 2 and Avowed share the same fantasy world known as Aeora, and that's why we're going to be diving into Pillars of Eternity because we're excited about the release of Avowed. So this is for anyone out there who's wanting to learn more about the world and explore it even though they're not maybe into playing Pillars of Eternity. This is also for those of you who have played Pillars of Eternity 1 or 2 and just really want to dive into the lore and understand the world more about what's going on. Lately, I've been doing a character creation series, and so today we're going to be diving into another aspect of character creation, and we're going to be using the tool that we see for character creation in Pillars of Eternity 1 and 2, and we're going to be pulling lore from that and maybe trying to draw some inferences as to what the character creation for Avowed might be like, but as well just the lore that we get from the things we see there. Today we're going to start off on the Paladin class. Now, before anyone gets excited, I'm not going to specifically go into all of the Paladin classes and talk about the history for each one because that would take quite a while and most of these paladin orders and classes are worthy of their own episode Uh, but we're going to be diving into the paladin class is as an overview for today's episode for those not aware uh, paladin is one of the classes that you can choose in typical epic fantasy games there are a lot of games out there where you don't pick a class specifically at the start of the game you know you just sort of kind of like skyrim you just start playing the game and you just play it the way you do and you build up your character by purchasing certain skills from the skill trees Um, but there are uh, other games that have specific classes that you choose and quite often you'll see a class like paladin be an option paladin is kind of like a holy warrior type character that's the kind of class that you're going with there and paladin classes usually have a really rich history in the world that they're set in and they have a specific way that the characters like to be played They usually have specific character traits or they have certain faith or beliefs or ideals that are common to the people that they work with or other paladins or priests like that. So we're going to be diving into the lore for the paladins that exist within the world of Aeora. I'm curious, what exactly did you find there? Now, paladins are described officially in the game and as well in the lore books as martial zealots devoted to a god, a ruler, or even a way of life. They can be found in any culture where a fanatical group of like-minded individuals have formed a warrior society dedicated to advancing their cause. Among those aligned to their worldview, paladins are viewed with respect and admiration, if a bit of fear. Many paladins hold leadership positions in armies and mercenary companies, but in the heat of battle, their fanaticism often overrules the chain of command and common sense. So that's the kind of general description of what a paladin is from the perspective of the writers at Obsidian and how they want to present them in the world of Aeora. And it's pretty, I would say, standard issue paladin for a lot of epic fantasy style games. You have these um, zealous and focused martial people who are really about a cause of some sort. Uh, Quite often paladins will be devoted to a religious faith or they will be devoted to a specific lord or king. Um, or even a philosophy, which is outlined here. 
And these paladins believe in this god, ruler, or philosophy with such zeal that they are unwavering in their faith, and it drives them forward to do anything that is required for the cause of that thing that they believe in. And it says here specifically, sometimes overruling the chain of command or even common sense. And so a paladin is a really powerful character to have and really fun too if you're into tabletop role-playing games so yeah paladins are really fun eccentric over-the-top characters to play i mean i'm sure you could play a mild-mannered paladin as well i'm not saying that it can't exist but this is the type of thing that we're seeing paladins typically are like in fantasy settings as well as this one for aora if you read the Pillars of Eternity strategy guide, the lore for Paladin actually continues, and it's more of an overview. Uh, it continues on saying that Paladins are extremely devoted, we already know, often fanatical, soldiers who have pledged themselves to a chosen cause, combining the zeal of a priest with the ascetic discipline of a monk. So a priest is one of the other classes you can play in the game, it's kind of like a cleric, and a monk is another class that you can play in the game, which is, you know, it's a monk that you play from other fantasy games, and we can get, dive into what they are in another episode. They have founded many elite fighting forces, from the original Darkozi Paladini, which is an order of paladins, a 2,000-year-old order of palace guards, to the fledging Fellows of St. Widewind's Martyr, zealous defenders of the Godhammer Pilgrim Trail. So those are just two paladin orders that exist in the world of Aora. Often found at the vanguard of many conflicts, paladins are natural leaders and have the ability to quickly assist their allies with targeted commands. Quite often when you're playing uh, any game, whether it's a tabletop or a video game, paladins will have bonuses to charisma-based skills because they are such charismatic people and they have natural leadership about them. So you usually see them as leaders in armies or officers as well. A paladin's commands can stave off impending death, overcome fatigue, or hasten the charge to close breach defenses. And though they're not always pledged to the service of a god or gods, paladins are so singularly focused on their chosen cause that their souls are continually creating a wellspring of spiritual energy from which they can blast groups of foes in their immediate vicinity. So in the world of Aora, soul mechanics are very important. I mean, really, in any fantasy setting, soul mechanics can be important, but it's very unique in the world of Aora how it works. A person's soul is very tied to the narrative of this game, and it's very tied to the individual narrative of each character. A paladin, even if they're not serving a god, they can have such devotion to a cause, to a belief, that when they are serving that cause or belief, it causes a wellspring of energy to flow from the soul that they have, and it can actually have a real physical impact on the things around them. Uh, this is a justification in-game for why your character, if they're a paladin, can have this aura about them, which will give your companions buffs and make them stronger, or it might hurt any enemies which get too close, because your spirit is actually exuding this energy and force that helps or hinders those who are in line with that cause. Despite their often stoic presence and explosive combat style, paladins work best alongside allies. When isolated, they can be vulnerable, especially against a singular powerful foe. So that's an interesting thing right there. Like, when I think of a paladin, I think of this person in big, shiny armor that is just impenetrable, and they walk onto the battlefield and with grace and skill can take down any enemy. And that even up against maybe some one powerful person, they would be more than sufficient against going up with them. But actually, for this game anyways, and for this world, they're actually not that good at one-on-one. -on -one. They're a little better at handling uh, crowds of people. So crowd control is important for this. Now, one interesting thing to note about paladins in the world of Aeora, and this is something I absolutely love, and I like it when game developers do this, 
is that there is a game mechanic that exists for how you roleplay your character. So if you are a paladin that has sworn an oath to a particular order, which is like a cause of some sort, there is a certain way that your paladin is expected to behave. Obviously, because like if this person's history and backstory is they, they devote their life to this single order, you know, and then they start living a life that's opposite to what that order is all about, that doesn't make sense narratively, right? Um, so there's... I, this isn't an incentive, mind you. I don't think that this is meant as an incentive, but it does kind of work as one in-game because we, we like to maximize our character's potential and power. If you are a paladin in Pillars of Eternity 1 or 2, and you select your particular order, and you have to select the subclass that your paladin is going to be, there are a number of dispositions, which are um, just ways of acting in the world. There are ways of acting in the world and through the game and through the narrative that... If you act that way, it is in line with your order's faith and conviction, and so your powers as a paladin will actually grow. Conversely, if you misbehave, if you're a naughty paladin, then your powers will actually diminish a little bit. Now, it's not game-breaking, okay? So if you pick a paladin and you choose the evil paladin order and then you act as a good little boy for the entire game you're not going to be so weak by the end of the game that you can't play the game but there is an impact there because that matters in this world now i'm sure there will be some people that think that this is imposing a, a type of role play upon your character that maybe you don't want to have but i i personally i like it i like that if you're going to choose a specific subclass for your paladin that you say i align with these evil people and then you're goody two shoes for your entire playthrough there should be an actual impact for that because that wouldn't work in the world of aora if you pledge your allegiance to this god and then don't serve them then you know your power which comes from them is not going to be as strong right so that makes sense in the game, this is referred to as faith and conviction. So at level one, all paladins get faith and conviction, which basically says that if you gain ranks in certain dispositions, and an example of dispositions might be aggression, it could be honesty, it might be cleverness, it could be stoicism or benevolence. These are examples of what dispositions are in the game as it's been designed and created. And as you gain ranks in certain dispositions, your defenses and your attack power and all that it will grow up to a certain point so that it doesn't break the game and conversely there are certain dispositions that if you act like them powers will actually diminish in those same categories and so i like that obsidian has made an actual game mechanic that impacts how you play the game depending on how you role play your paladin character with respect to the order or the oath that you have taken so I've been talking about paladin order here and there, but I like I actually let me stop and talk about what oaths and what orders there are. And before I continue on saying order this and oath that, let's stop and actually look at what the different options for paladin order are. Now keep in mind that there are likely, and basically we actually have confirmed that there are other paladin orders than the ones I'm going to list here. But these are the paladin orders that you can use for character creation or that we see one of our companions being able to utilize as their subclass or their order. Uh, but there is mention in other places of the lore for these other paladin orders that exist in other countries or in history itself. So there's more than the ones that we're going to list here, but these are the main ones that we interact with in the game. Now, there are seven that I'm going to mention, and one of which your character cannot be. And here they are as follows. The seven orders for paladins in Pillars of Eternity 1 and 2 are Bleak Walkers, Darkozy Paladini. Uh, there is one that 
a companion of ours, Palagina, can have, which I don't know how to pronounce this. It's like Frema me consualisis, which uh, apparently means Brotherhood of the Five Sons. Um, I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, continuing on, we have Gold Pack Knights, and then Kind Wayfarers, uh, Shield Bearers of St. Elja, and lastly, the Steel Garot. Those are seven paladin orders that we discuss in the game and that we see through the narrative. And I will do a brief overview of what each of one of those are here. And they're probably going to get their own episode down the road, or I might choose two at a time and do an episode that focuses on the history and where they even come from. Because when you think about it, this, this is this is an order of people. This is a large group of people that exist in history in this world that have been so passionately pursuing a cause or a god or a ruler that they throw themselves at the mercy of the world to try to live for this cause. That kind of group, they have a history. They have a origin. And it'll be really cool to actually sit back and look at the origin for all of them. Uh, we'll do that in another episode, but for now, let's actually just look and see what each one is. First up, we have Bleak Walkers. Now, these are your traditional tried-and-true bad guy ones. They're the evil paladins, if you have to pick which one would be the evil ones. But, you know, just like everything in Aora, everything isn't as it seems. It's They're not just evil for evil's sake. You know, someone at Obsidian didn't just say, yeah, we need to have an evil paladin order, can someone please just... Uh, you know, just pick a name and make them bad. Don't worry about it too much. You know, there's there's depth to these characters. There's depth to the lore that is behind them. And for the Bleak Walkers, this is what the official description is. Dreaded for their mercilessness and cruelty, paladins of the Bleak Walkers believe that extreme brutality in warfare brings conflict to a swift close. To maintain their reputation for unrelenting savagery, the Bleak Walkers never give quarter and never abandon the field, even if their employers command them to. If you are playing a Bleak Walker character, um, the two dispositions, the two behaviors that will give your player character more power is if you are aggressive and cruel. And the two behaviors that if you play as, you will actually diminish in your paladin power is diplomatic and benevolent. And just in this information alone, we get so much to know about what the Bleak Walkers are. There's one particular part in the official description here that sticks out to me, and that is that they believe that extreme brutality in warfare brings conflict to a swift close. And that makes me wonder whether or not the Bleak Walkers actually started out as a group of people that wanted to see conflict end, and that maybe they actually wanted to see warfare stop, right? I haven't dove into the history of them, so I don't actually know for sure. I'm just sort of speculating right now. Who knows, right? Like, the, uh, an organization like this, or an order like this, I guess, they could start off with maybe a good intention of like, we want to see warfare stop. So you know what we're going to do? We're just going to absolutely wreck everybody and stop the fighting ourselves. Um, but they, you know, as, over the years, maybe they evolved into these bleak walkers where they are aggressive and cruel and they are not diplomatic or benevolent. And right there, even just the dispositions that are considered good and bad to these uh, bleak walkers tell you a lot about them. They are aggressive and cruel. So, like, uh, cruelty, I usually imagine more so as kind of like a red and tooth and claw type of cruelty and not just necessarily cruel for cruelty's sake. It's ab about, I am stronger than you, and therefore I have the right to do these things. I have the right to overpower you. That's kind of what I get uh, an idea for when I look at cruelty, at least coming from the perspective of the game's narrative and how it presents it. 
And then the things that they're against is diploma, diplomacy and benevolence, which means you're, you're not you're not there to have discourse with the people you're taking down. You're not there to be like, okay, let's talk each other down. Let's have some peace about this and let's find a way to make everyone all, you know, happy and all this kind of stuff. They're like, no, we're here to do one thing. That is put you down and stop this warfare. That's what we're here for. So those are the bleak walkers. Next up is Darkozy Paladini. And this is the official description for Darkozy Paladini. The oldest known paladin order in the world, the Darkozy Paladini, were founded as the guards of the Darkozy Palace in Granvalia over 2,000 years ago. Since the shattering of Granvalia, the Darkozy Paladini have transformed into the protectors and ambassadors of the immense Darkozy family, as well as Old Valian culture. The Darkozy Paladini are widespread and occasionally even come into conflict with each other due to the machinations of the Darkozy family. Paladins of the Order are renowned for their wit and love of life. If you play a Darkozy Paladin, the two behaviors that will give you more power are cleverness and passion. Cleverness is, uh, I often kind of see it as sarcasm, so it's, it's kind of like uh, humor and joy in a lot of ways. A lot of the times when I see cleverness in the game for Pillars of Eternity 1 and 2, it's more about making jokes, you know, like a smart-ass kind of thing. Uh, but it, it does also have, like, clever solutions to problems and stuff like that. Uh, two dispositions that these paladins are against is cruelty and stoicism. That's the overview for Darkozy Paladini. They actually they started out as palace guards for this uh, Grand Valian family, which they now still serve. So this family's huge and it's got a long history. Like if they started off, you think about that. If they started off as these palace guards for the Darkozys two thousand years ago, and they're still serving the Darkozys today, that means this family has existed and had a family lineage for 2,000 years. That is bonkers. I can't think of any family lineage that has gone on like that that we know the lineage for. But then again, I don't really know a lot about that stuff, like ancestry and stuff like that. Maybe there, maybe there's a lot of families that are known for thousands of years back. What am I talking about? Anyways, that's the Darkozy Paladini. I, I like when you contrast the dispositions together. We have cleverness and passion um, contrasted against cruelty and stoicism. The passion and stoicism makes sense that they would be opposite from each other, but it really, really drives home the idea that these Darkozy Paladonis, Paladin, Paladonis, I'm sorry, they they like to live life to the max. They when they have something that they're passionate about, they go for it. You know, they're not the type to just sit back with their arms crossed and do, and all that kind of stuff. They like to laugh and have fun. Hence the cleverness part of their dispositions. But they are not big mean bad boys. That's why they are against cruelty. Next up are the Gold Pack Knights, and this is a quick overview. Their description are mercenaries with a solemn reverence for the sanctity of contracts. Gold Pack Knights fulfill their obligations with unemotional, unswerving commitment and without moral judgment. If you are a Gold Pack Knight, the dispositions that you favor are rationality and stoicism, uh, and the two dispositions that you would be against are passion and aggression. So the Gold Pack Knights, without getting into much of their history, they're basically just like the completely neutral um, automatons almost. Like you could replace them ideally with just a uh, some sort of robot or some sort of machine that would be like, okay, this is my job. I'm going to go and do it, which in some cases might seem very terrifying. Like, Because you imagine if someone told you like, hey, just so you know, there's a Gold Pack Knight coming out to get you because of the contract you broke. You know, if it was anyone else, you might think to yourself, okay, maybe I can weasel my way out of this. Maybe I can convince them that, hey, 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 listen, man, give me one more day, I'll pay you the money or what what have you, right? But I get the idea, at least by what they're talking about here, that like if you find out a gold pack knight is coming after you, you it like it would inflict a, a thing of terror inside you because you're like, 
oh my goodness like there is no talking down a gold pack night they once they once they have a duty to fill they just continuously try to fulfill it and they don't care about any of the context like that's a that's a terrifying thing and very difficult thing to ascribe to i don't think that would be an easy life to live by um and i don't know if me personally if that's something i could live like where i just like okay this is my job i'm gonna go and do it and then i'm and then i'm done and i don't care about the details i imagine some of these gold pack nights they have their own personalities and in doing some of these jobs they probably find out the truth about what they're actually doing and they are supposed to just be committed and unswerving just be like cool that's nice i don't care about the details i have a job to do i'm doing it there you go up next are kind wayfarers they are the evil ones and i'm just kidding now obviously the kind wayfarers if you can't imagine they're they're the token good paladins but let's get into it a little more kind wayfarers a charitable order of knights errant who assist troubled travelers and celebrate kindness, condemning deception and malice even when dealing with their enemies. The ranks of the kind wayfarers are filled with kith of all races and from all cultures. They can be found in any part of the old empires, eastern reach, and even the deadfire. If you are a kind wayfarer character, you prefer benevolence and pashalin. Wow. Pashalin. If you are a kind wayfarer, you promote benevolence and passion, but you are against deception and cruelty. So, as I said, they, they are your token good paladin. You know, they believe in benevolence and passion. So, benevolence, doing kind things unto others, and passion, living life with that fire in your heart to go out and do the thing that you know and believe to be right. And you're against deception, lying to one another, uh, gaining things for yourself, and they're against cruelty, where you enforce your strength over another because you can for whatever reason you desire. The kind wayfarers are kind people who are also wayfarers they are travelers and it specifically says so in the official description that they assist troubled travelers so these are the kind wayfarers can you imagine a paladin order the, these people who you normally we picture in thick armor with massive swords and they are just at the, the front of the battlefield uh, yelling amazing charismatic speeches for their god and then you have the kind wayfarers who are people like we assist travelers and we celebrate kindness you know, and anybody is welcome. We are an equal opportunities paladin order here at the Kind Wayfarers. And like, it's actually an interesting way to think about this this highly devoted group of people. Next up are the Shield Bearers of Saint Elcha, and I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing that right because it's spelled E L C G A. Um, but it's, since it's in a Deeran founded paladin order, I believe it's pronounced Elcha. Uh, these Shield Bearers are described as follows. A paladin order of Adirian warriors who emphasize honesty and diplomacy over cruelty and aggression. The shield bearers were founded in honor of an elven noble who helped unite the Adirian and Kuklin kingdoms of a long war. So I've talked about the Adirian history in other episodes, so I've talked about the shield bearers before, and I know a little bit about them, obviously, from those episodes. Uh, the shield bearers were actually, as it says here, they were protectors for this elven noble and this elven noble was very instrumental in uniting the meadowfolk adiran humans and the coquelin seathwood wood elves together and they ended up forming what we now know as the adir empire one of the foremost powerful empires that has existed in aora's recent history and so the shield bearers are an old paladin order uh, that existed to protect a particular ruler now, as it says in the official description, if you play as a shield bearer of St. Elja, your favorite dispositions are diplomacy and honesty, and you oppose aggression and cruelty. 
that tells you again the the pairing of these dispositions tell you a lot about the the kind of person that would become a shield bear you're highly diplomatic and you're highly honest so at any cost you try to avoid lying you tell the truth as it is and you always talk first but you know you're also still there to protect someone but the things that they are also against is aggression and cruelty uh, much like normal you know quote unquote token good paladin orders the token good paladin order which you talked about earlier kind of wayfarers they're against deception and cruelty because those are obviously the bad ones right that's always what people would say uh, but the shield bearers they're against cruelty which again is enforcing your will and uh, decisions upon other people but also aggression you know there's a, a passivity to what they have they have to kind of go against things not so aggressively up next is the steel garrote which is uh, a Paladin Order that you can't play in the first Pillars of Eternity game. However, in the second one, for the Pillars of Eternity 2 Deadfire, you can play as this uh, subclass for your Paladin Order. The Steel Garot is a feared Paladin Order dedicated to Wodaka, that is one of the 11 deities of the world. They work with powerful individuals and business interests to hunt down those who violate contracts, especially if said contracts were endorsed by a priestess of the Exiled Queen, which is another name for Wodaka. They were founded in the Adir Empire and are active throughout the region, branching out as far as the Deerwood and the Valian Republics. I find that there's a lot of um, similarity to the, from the Steel Garot to the Goldpack Knights in the sense that they are hunting down those who violate contracts. However, I feel like the Goldpack Knights, they're more of the, like, we just do what we're told. There's a mindlessness to it, you know, but there's a, there's a conviction that they're just going to go do it, whereas the Steel Garot... I like I hear I I get more of the impression when you actually start to talk to them and you start to look into their history that they don't hunt people down who violate contracts because somebody hired them to do it but because they are mad about the fact that people would violate contracts in the first place how dare they that's that's more the kind of flavor I get from the steel garot if you are a steel garot character you promote rationality and cruelty and you are opposed to diplomacy and benevolence rationality and cruelty you know, basically these two things being that you made a contract and you were supposed to stick with it. That's the rational side of thing and you didn't. So there has to be consequences and cruelty in the sense of we know better. This is what is good and we are going to impose our will upon you. And they are against diplomacy because they're not there to talk it out. They're not there to make peace. They're not there to see what your side of things are. There are consequences for actions and they need to be brought out and not benevolence because we are not picking favorites. You know, we are not choosing who's going to get away with things or not. There needs to be a complete lack of favoritism. Everybody has the same rights and et cetera, et cetera, right? There's kind of a, a logic to it. There's kind of a reasonableness to it. Uh, however, there's also a mercilessness to it. And I think that would turn a lot of people off of it, despite the, the potential for reasonability. Now, the last one that I'll talk about, even though you cannot actually become one of these, uh, at least in Pillars of Eternity 1 or 2, maybe you can in Avowed, uh, I'm going to go over anyways because, hey, this is a lore show. We're going to be talking about lore. And you learn about this from uh, looking at the description for Palagina, which is one of the companions in both Pillars of Eternity games. Um, it is the one that I can't pronounce, which is the Frema Me Suola. Yes, I don't know how to it It's Fremas Me Suolias. I don't know how to pronounce it, but apparently translates to Brotherhood of the Five Sons. Now, this is a paladin order of the Valian Republics. The five sons refer to the five Valian dukes, bells, or great dukes. The brotherhood is loyal to the collective will of the ducal congress, rather than to any particular duke or duke or duchess. Is it duchess? I don't know. And members are forbidden from active intervention in the congress's debates. In short, 
uh, there is Grandvalia, which is one of the old empires of the world, and they kind of had a breaking apart of their civilization. And in the new world, the recent nation was created. Although it's not really a nation technically, but it it kind of it, it's called the Valian Republics, and it's essentially five city states that form this one sort of nation, and those are the five sons, these five city states. And this paladin order serves all five of them, right? So they serve the vested interest of the five sons, the five city-states that are for the Valian Republics. And your companion, Palagina, is a member of this particular paladin order. We don't know what the condemned dispositions and promoted dispositions are, although we can make guesses. Uh, my guess is that it would be close to the Darkozy Paladini because they come from the same culture. Um, and, and just to go back over that, the cleverness and passion were the good ones, and the bad ones were cruelty and stoicism. You know, I, that, I don't quite get that from Palagina. I feel like they like to be a little bit more stoic and rational, personally speaking. So maybe, you know, maybe it's not the same. Um, but the things that I could see them opposing is probably aggression. Well, maybe not aggression. Maybe passion. They'd probably go against passion. Aggression, even from like a marketing standpoint or some sort of commerce style, that would probably be good. But passion in the sense of you're not making cold calculated judgments, you know, that's, that, that's kind of the form I get. The only one that I know of is Palagina, and she's got a very unique personality, It's so that might not reflect the personality of everybody in this one, right? So that is an overview of the Paladin Orders and the Paladin lore that exists for the Pillars of Eternity games as we see it in the world of Aeora. I want to dive into each and every one of these Paladin Orders because they have a history of where they started and what their purposes are, etc., etc. And it's always just fun to kind of speculate more about what they're like. What this might have to do for Avowed is that, A, you know, if we get to pick our classes in the game, if it's not like the Elder Scrolls where you just play the game and you build a class as you play, if it's if it's more like Pillars of Eternity where you actually select your class at the beginning, then this is something that might impact our character creation for Avowed. We might have to pick a Paladin class, and then we'll have to pick what order that they are in, and that might even influence the kind of decisions that you need to make in the game. If they're going to make that happen, then likely one of these orders are going to be the ones that you have to pick from uh, as well you know if that kind of thing isn't in avowed then we're more than likely to run into some of these orders so there's a chance we might be interacting with any of these paladin orders or that you might have to come up against one of them if you find out in the game that uh, a gold packed knight is coming after you you know to expect some serious business and that there's no discourse that can happen there you're not going to be able to charisma 10 talk your way out of it you know well you're not supposed to anyways so that's, you know, just a little bit of flavor uh, to the game world and, and what we can expect from the narrative, or at least understand if we interact with any of that. Thank you guys so much for joining me on today's episode of The World of Aeora, where we dove into the lore and a little bit of an overview for the Paladin classes of Pillars of Eternity and look forward to Avowed. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me to discuss Paladins or just ask a question or talk about this uh, super geeky stuff that we all love, you can reach me on Twitter at World of Aora, or you can email me, worldofaora at gmail.com. Thank you guys again for joining me on today's episode. I'm your host, Eric, aka Gingerino. Thank you guys for joining me, and I'll see you next time.